are you ready to be punny today? Okay, I mean, you were punctual in getting here, so I'll try not to punish you with too many puns. Um, coach, do you have to punt yesterday in the football game? Uh, no? Okay, well, enough puns. All right, so here's the deal. I got to confess it out of the box. I love puns. I, I love them because uh, they're, they're, they're part of the fabric and character of growing up in my home. Our father loved words in a lot of different ways, and he loved puns. And he would always take whatever you said, and if there was a way to play it into a joke, he would play it into the joke. So if you said, hey, before you left home, did you put the dog out? He would say, put the dog out. I didn't know he was on fire. And it's just, that was, yeah, it got old. I mean, every time he would say it. It's not... Gee, he said that one time, that must have been funny. Once a day. Um, uh, so we grew up with a lot of puns, loved puns. It was fun for me when I started reading the Bible in Greek to understand so many puns that were in the Bible. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. I just want to look through some of those puns that were there in the New Testament. So I've pulled out a set of them. Now, there are some puns that I don't get into because the... The pun may lie in an Aramaic or it may lie in a Hebrew that's lost the pun once it's been translated into Greek. And so I don't get into those in this lesson per se. What I'm getting into instead are the puns that are there within the Greek. Now, what do we mean by a pun? Puns can be funny. Puns can be um, uh, uh, thought-provoking. Puns can make you say, hmm. Puns can put a new layer or level of meaning on an expression. By pun, I simply mean a play on words. Either words that sound similar or words that might have multiple meanings where you're grabbing some of the different meanings from those words or something like that. But but a pun in that sense. All right? So with that... Let's go to the Elmo. Today, a lot of the lesson is by Elmo. So we'll be going back and forth because you need to see the scriptures. What I've done on the scriptures is I've tried to highlight the Greek puns in red. So you can see the Greek pun even though it's not so apparent in the English. So if we were reading this passage in Greek, this is Matthew 6. Jesus has just taught his apostles to pray. And he's told them the Lord's Prayer. And after the Lord's Prayer, he starts giving them other instructions about how to live. And so he'll say to them things like, um, when you're fasting, do it this way or don't do it that way. And that's what we have here in Matthew 16. Okay, let me get a little adjustment here. Matthew 6, 16 through 18. When you fast, do not look gloomy. Like the hypocrites. For they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you that they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face that your fasting may not be seen by others but by your father who's in secret. And your father who sees in secret 
will reward you. Now, this is an interesting passage to me because of the way Jesus writes it. When you fast, do not look gloomy. That Greek word gloomy also means just basically sad. Don't look sad. Don't look like... Are you okay? I'm fasting for the Lord. Oh, it's killing me, but it's part of being holy. Why? You look fat. Are you well fed? Have you eaten? Okay. That's it. Don't look sad like the hypocrites. For they disfigure their face. Now, here's your Greek concept for this. Hello, Dr. Frank. Ah, you've got someone with you. This is Dr. Frank Gannon. This is someone who's with him. I'm betting his son. All right. Who's going to be a lawyer one day and work with me right there. All right. When you fast, don't look sad and gloomy like the hypocrites. They disfigure their face. Now, there is a Greek word that means to show, to see, um, to be seen type thing. It is the Greek word phino, and we would write it in English like this. But since y'all are now Greek scholars par excellence, that's the Greek PH sound, pha, all right, that's our phi, and then A-I-N, and that Greek N looks like a V, right? And uh, uh, this is actually the form of the word that's used here is phinosin. But it's, it's the same thing. It's phinos. All right. So phinos is your Greek word. Um, we have uh, uh, lots of English that comes from it. If you see something, you see a... Phenomena. Phenomenon. Exactly. Okay, so this is something that you see. Now, in Greek, you can take the letter A, the alpha, and put it in front of a word, and it makes the word the opposite of whatever it was. It's like a negative sign. It's like taking um, I am in English. So if it's possible, and you put I am in front of it, what does it make it? Impossible or not possible. Um, or the, we also use you in that way, you in. So something could be known or we could add you into it and that makes it unknown. Okay? Something can be seen, phinos, or it can be unseen, a phinos. Actually, it's, uh, if you are a Greek connoisseur, a phinizo seen is the form that it takes here. But it's basically A plus phinos. That means something that you don't really see. So the word seen here is the word phinos. The word unseen here is from A, is A phinos. So it's, it's the pun. It's the, the, the idea of, look, when you fast, don't look gloomy and sad like the hypocrites. 
what they do is they make their face look like something nobody wants to see. So that they can then be seen by other people. You get it? They make their face look like something no one wants to see. So that when people see them, they say, Oh, you look horrible. What's wrong? I'm fasting for God. And Jesus says they've got their reward. When you fast, take a shower, brush your teeth, brush your hair, put on your makeup. If you wear makeup, wash your face, anoint your head. Because you want your fasting not to be finosed by others. But you want it to be finosed by your Father in heaven. And he, your Father who sees in secret, He's going to take care of you. He's going to reward you. You want His praise and attention, not that of your neighbors. So if we go back to the Elmo, I pulled some fun people. I, I tried to find people who tried to translate the pun into English. I'm sorry, go back to the PowerPoint for me. Thank you. Um, if we look at some fun translations, here's one of them. They make their faces unsightly that men might have sight of them. So, so that tries to pick up on the pun and the way that Greek word. And then I loved this one. Do not become like those who muddy up their faces so they can shine in public. I thought that was good. So we've got Greek puns. That gives you a flavor for them. The next one that we'll go to is one that's found in the Gospel of Luke. Luke 4, 16. Whoops. Just happen to have my Greek puns handy. Luke 4, 16 through 30. Luke 4, 16 through 30. Now, let me tell you the story behind this pun so that you've got this pun in context. Jesus has been going north in Galilee. He's been working miracles. He's been preaching. He goes to Nazareth, his home. And when he's in Nazareth, he goes to synagogue. And at synagogue, he's handed a scroll to read from. Now, in synagogue services, they would have a reading from the prophets, but they would also have a reading from the law. Jesus gets the prophets reading. And the prophet's reading for the day is from Isaiah 60, the first two verses. And so Jesus reads those verses. Here's what they say. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. By the way, anointed is the Hebrew word for we get Messiah from it. He has messiahed me to proclaim good news. Good news is the word translation for the word gospel. So to anybody who's reading this as a Christian believer, these puns already are jumping up off the page. Jesus has been made messiah to... Preach the gospel to the poor. Proclaim liberty to those in bondage. To give sight to those who are blind. Liberty to those who are oppressed. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. 
That word favor is dektone in the Greek. D-E-K-T-O. Well, the basis form of it would be dektos, but it's dektone there. Dektos in the Greek. To proclaim the year of the Lord's acceptance or favor. It's a rare word in the New Testament. It's only used five times in the entire New Testament. It's used twice right here. Because there's a play on that word. The word can mean favor, like let me show you how I care. Or it can mean acceptance. And here's the rub. So Jesus does this, and everybody says, oh, isn't that marvelous? The young boys come home, and he's read in the synagogue. But then Jesus starts engaging them, and they begin to realize that he's actually claiming Messiahship for himself. When Jesus says, this has been fulfilled today in your midst, the dialogue starts heating up. And ultimately, they decide to push him off a cliff, and Jesus just leaves, sneaks out, saying, Truly, I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown. That word acceptable is the second usage of the word dektos. So in the Greek, you've got a pun there. You've got Jesus saying, the spirit of the Lord's upon me. He's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, liberty to those oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And today, this scripture is fulfilled in your midst. Today, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Today, in your midst, right here, God's anointed me to preach good news. To proclaim to you God's forgiveness and favor is here. God accepts you. Jesus says, today God has appointed me to tell you this. And the people's reaction is, we're not going to accept you. We're not going to accept the Lord. And they, 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 reject the very acceptance that he's there to proclaim. They look upon him with disfavor as he proclaims the year of the Lord's favor or the time of the Lord's favor. So if we go back to the PowerPoint, tried to capture a little bit of that pun there, goes like this. God sent me to proclaim his acceptance And you will not accept God or me, who's his anointed. And that's a dynamic little twist that I wonder if we ever think about. It's a nice play on words. There's not one human being alive God's not willing to accept with favor. The only ones that aren't accepted with favor are those who won't accept God with favor. fella came up to a famous preacher in England. I think it was Spurgeon. And he said to Spurgeon, I can't handle your God because your God's, by your 
theology is condemning me to hell. What kind of God is that? Spurgeon said, do you want to accept God and go to heaven? He said, no. Spurgeon said, then why are you complaining? God's got favor that he's declaring and acceptance that he's declaring for everyone except those who won't accept it and won't view God with favor. It's a nice little inversion that you get with the Greek. Okay, let's go back. Uh, uh, we'll, we'll look at the next one. Uh, John 3. John, a punster extraordinaire, loaded with puns. John has, whoops, we've already done that one. John has puns running out his ears. Let's look at this one. John 3, 1 through 8. Truly, truly, I say to you. All right, let's get this into context first. So Jesus is there, and there is a leader of the Jews named Nicodemus. Nicodemus comes to Jesus by night. This is the original Nick at night. Nicodemus comes to Jesus by night. Most likely the way the story's written, because he doesn't want to be seen coming to Jesus. Nicodemus is a notable ruler, and he wants to engage Jesus in a real conversation that's at least semi-private. So Nicodemus comes to Jesus, and he starts asking Jesus some questions. And Jesus says to Nicodemus, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. Now, again, that word again is the Greek word A-N-long-O-T-H-E-N, which is A-N-O-T-H-E-N. Now, that's not another. Whoops, I'm sorry. There you go. That's not another, but it's really close. It's a nothing. (laughs) Anothen in the Greek, all right? Anothen can mean two different things. Anothen can mean again, but it can also mean from above. So there's a pun built into this passage. And oh, it frustrates the translators. Because which one is it? You must be born again? Or you must be born from above. Both work theologically. Because it's an intentional pun. This is an intentional pun. Jesus means both. He's put the play on words. Unless one is born again another time. Or unless someone is born again from above. That's what Jesus says. He cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, this causes Nicodemus some trouble. Because Nicodemus is trying to sit there and he's thinking. 
And he says, well, am I supposed to climb back into my mother's womb? I don't I'm, you know. Nicodemus, bless his heart, he was a literalist. He was a science major. He did not take much, much, uh, uh, arts and, and, and yeah, 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 yeah. He's, he's just, just the facts, ma'am. You know, he's, he's a science guy. He, he aced his SATs in the math. English, eh. Okay. But I mean, this guy, this is the guy. Okay. So he's saying, be uh, born again or, or born from above. Uh, so am I supposed to climb back? You know, in my mom's womb, and, you know, this is not making sense to me. And Jesus says, okay, let's make another go at it. But Jesus' other go at it actually makes it worse, not better. Jesus says, all right, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Now, don't marvel that I said to you, you got to be born again or from above. Same word, anathen. The wind blows wherever it wants to blow. You hear its sound, but you don't know where it comes from. You don't know where it's going. And that's the way it is with everyone who's been born of the Spirit. Now you say, how does that muddy it up? Well, first of all, that's kind of hard to understand all by itself. But Jesus has some puns in here, not only in the Greek, I might add, but in the Hebrew as well. Jesus had some puns in here that are just bamboozlers. You see, there's this Greek word, panuma, P-N. E-U-M-A. Panuma. Say it. Panuma. Right? You know what panuma is? Spirit, breath, wind. That's not the typical word for wind, but it's used for wind. Panuma. We know that it's breath and stuff because we know about people who get pneumonia. Or if you are an auto mechanic, you might use pneumatic tools, which are tools that are run by air, compressed air. Okay, so pneumonia is is a breathing. Uh, you know, it's an infection in the lungs. So that's the word for spirit. That's also the word for wind. So here's what that passage says in the Greek. Truly, I say to you. Unless one is born of water and panuma, wind, breath, spirit. And if it's spirit, is it capital S Holy Spirit or little less spirit spirit? Because they didn't capitalize for Holy Spirit. They either wrote all in capitals or all in little letters. So, it's up to you, the translator, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, a spiritual rebirth, or the Spirit, capital S, Holy Spirit, or the wind. He cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit 
is spirit. Pneuma is pneuma. Is that a capital S on the first one and then a little s? Is it a little s on the first one and a little s on the second? What's he saying here? Don't marvel that I said to you, you've got to be born from above or again. The pneuma blows where it wishes. Now, is that the spirit blows where it wishes? Is that one of the unusual times where pneuma is translated wind? The wind blows where it wishes? You hear its sound. Now, you might be saying, oh, you hear its sound. It must be wind. Wind makes sound. (laughs) It ain't so easy. Sound is the Greek word phonane. P-H-O-N-A-N. Like phonograph records. P-H-O-N-E-N. Telephone. Okay? Now, do you know what phone means in addition to sound? It also means voice. So you might be saying, well, the wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound. Or it might be saying, the spirit blows where it wishes and you hear its voice. You don't know where it comes from. You don't know where it goes. And that's the way it is with everyone who's born of the wind spirit or spirit. I mean, that's 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 pretty tough, isn't it? That's pretty tough. Now, I want to go to the slides in the PowerPoint, please. Because Nicodemus hears this, and I love his response. The response of Nicodemus is, what? What? What on earth are you talking about? And I mean, Jesus wasn't making jokes. Nicodemus has just got a headache. This is way outside of his math brain. Nicodemus is sitting there going, I, 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 I don't follow this. And look at the, the, the English text if we go back to the PowerPoint for a moment. Nicodemus says, how can this be? I don't, I don't get it. I'm not following. And I want to follow. And that's where Jesus says, you're the teacher of Israel. And you don't understand? Third time. Truly, truly, I say to you. We speak of what we know. We bear witness to what we've seen. You're just not receiving the testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you don't believe, how are you going to believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven. The son of man. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. So must the son of man be lifted up. That whoever believes in him. May have eternal life. Because God so loved the world. That he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him should not perish. But have eternal life. So what do we have here? We have a major intriguing conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus. We have one where Jesus has captured Nicodemus' attention. And he's drawn him in to want to hear more. And Jesus has spoken truly, but he's spoken in such a way that it's really got Nicodemus' wheels turning.
And I can assure you, as certain as I'm standing here, that Nicodemus did not walk away from this conversation, filing it away and saying, okay, next page, next chapter. Got it, understand it, moving on. Nicodemus chewed on this one. This is the kind of thing where for days, for weeks, maybe months, maybe longer, Nicodemus was, I wonder, all right, the spirit. It could mean this, and it could mean that. But there's no refuting, especially after the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus. There's no disputing what the end of that passage meant for Nicodemus. It meant that there was a spiritual rebirth that has to happen that is made possible because of the death of Jesus. And when you believe in him, it's as if you are born anew or from above. And it makes sense when you hear the voice of the Spirit or the sound of the wind, however you wish to do it. By the way, because that word spirit means wind, do you know how the King James translated it? Ghost. Because in the King James day, before we became the doctors that we are today, they knew that when people quit breathing, they were, well, we'd say dead in Lubbock, but dead's the same type thing. They were dead. They were dead. They quit breathing. They gave up the ghost. In fact, there was a time where a, a, a doctor ran an experiment of trying to weigh people right before and after they died because he wanted to try and figure out how much the ghost weighed. I'm not joking. Okay? Because that, and, and so they gave up the spirit. They gave up the ghost. They quit breathing. So the Holy Spirit is translated the Holy Ghost. Because that's the breath you don't see. Okay? That's the life force that's in us that's got us breathing. That when it's gone and we quit breathing, the ghost is left. The breath is left. Just the things you learn in life group. Okay, let's go back to the PowerPoint for a moment. See which one we're going to next. How are we doing time-wise? 11.40. We've got about 10 more minutes, and then we'll, we'll get to the points for home if you all have got time for a few more. Here's another great one I love out of John. This is John 1.5. Um, yeah, here it is. Darkness. Eh, don't get there yet. You've got to learn the pun first. Let's go back to the Elmo, please. So here it is. Um, the first pun you want is the very top. This is the real pun, actually. John begins with this um, uh, introduction to Jesus that starts out, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, in the process of this, you get from John 1... Hold on, this is, let's get this wording exactly right. You get from John 1, he was in the beginning with God. And if you remember, Peter Williams pointed out 
you don't even know it's the he in the Greek. It's he, she, or it. He, she, or it was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, her, or it. And without him, her, or it was not anything made that was made. In him, her, or it was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Now, the Greek word for overcome it is katalambino. Katalambino. And what katalambino, sorry, my Greek's kind of uh, sloppy there. What it means is overcome, or it also means to grasp in the sense of understand. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it, but also the darkness didn't understand it. Now, I want you to think for a moment. If you have a room that's dark, and you have a flashlight, and you turn on the flashlight, where the light shines, what wins? The light wins every time. Darkness cannot overcome light because we know now as a science generation that darkness is the absence of light. So anytime you've got light, the darkness is gone, wherever that light is, right? So with that illustration, even though they didn't have the science behind it, the illustration's beautiful because light shines in the darkness And the light pierces the darkness. The darkness does not overcome the light. Darkness cannot overcome the light. But here's the pun that gives it the punch. Darkness cannot grasp the light. Because if darkness truly understands the light... What does it become? Light. So the darkness can't overcome the light. The light overcomes the darkness. Because if the darkness grasps or understands the light, the darkness becomes light. Okay? Now this is cool because later on in John, in like John 12, look what Jesus says. And of course, John is John. I mean, it's the same book, right? So uh, he knows, whoops. Hold on. We're going to do this a little bit different. There we go. The light is among you. Let's keep both up there. The light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light. Lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he's going. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. See, Jesus is talking to people in the shadows. The light's available. And they can choose to walk toward the light. Or they can choose to walk into the darkness where the darkness overtakes them. They can choose to let the darkness understand them instead of walking in the light. And that's their choice. Jesus says, while the choice is here, you make the choice. Walk in the light. 
Believe, put your faith in, trust in the light. The light is Jesus. That you may become sons of light. So that pun is there as well, because the the idea is you need to understand the light. And that's how you come out of darkness. You come out of darkness by believing in the light. And if you won't believe in the light, if you don't understand the light, then the darkness will understand and grasp and hold on to you. It's your choice. And so if we go back to the PowerPoint, what he's saying is darkness could defeat could not defeat light, nor could it couldn't understand it. Okay, that's a very good sign that I was asleep when I did this PowerPoint. <laughs> Let's just ignore the words on this slide and look at the really cool picture. You got some choice here. You can walk in the light and let the light understand and you and you understand it and grasp the light and let the light grasp you. Or you can walk in the darkness with no understanding of the light and you will live in the darkness. Which one do you want? I know which one I want. All right, let's do one last one if we've got some time here. Um, Philemon, uh, uh, yeah, let's do Philemon. So here's Philemon. Here's the story behind Philemon. Make sure we're all on the same page here. uh, Many of you, most of you know this story. Philemon is a slave owner in around Colossae, which is near Ephesus in Turkey, Asia Minor. All right? So, Philemon, um, oh, I put up Philippians, and I'm talking about Philemon. All right, we'll just do Philippians, because I've got it up here. Philemon is in the book, read it. I mean, in the lesson, handout, read it. So, Philippians is considered Paul's letter of joy, because he's got counted all joy. Well, no, actually, that's James. (laughs) He says... (laughs) He's got, he's got the peace that passes understanding. He's got the joy of the Lord. He's got joy, 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 joy all in the book. All right? But that doesn't mean that there wasn't a reason for Paul to write. There were two godly women. One named Yodia and one named Syntyche. And Yodia and Syntyche were having what we would call in love a fuss. They were fussing. And they they did not get along on something. And it had caused some discord between them. Now, generally, if two women like that are fussing, the men may not be into the fussing, but they will never really make that known. They will generally just kind of, hey, I'm going to excuse myself for a minute, y'all, whatever you're doing, okay? Or maybe they take sides. Maybe some of the other women took sides. But in the midst of this fussing that was going on, Paul tells them, I entreat, I beg Yodia, I beg Syntyche to agree in the Lord. 
Get on the same page. Help these women. Both of them have worked side by side with me in the gospel. They're godly women. But they've got an issue between them and help them get through that. Please, I'm begging both of them to get over it. He doesn't say figure out who's right and figure out who's wrong. He says, I entreat him to agree in the Lord. Now, Paul knows he's going to put that in this letter. That's in Paul's brain when he's writing this letter. He writes letters with reasons. I'm not denying that the Holy Spirit's behind it all. The Holy Spirit works through the reasons, sets up the reasons, perhaps. Who knows? But but the Holy Spirit's behind it. But even there, Paul, it's not just Paul sitting there in his sleep. His hand gets lifted up by the wind, Spirit, capital S, and picks up a pen and dips it in some ink and just starts doing this while he's in his sleep. Paul's consciously ministering to these people. And so Paul's writing the letter, and there's this Greek word pas, or pon, P-A-S-P-A-N. It can take either form, and, and, and it means all. Like panhellenic is all Greek. Uh, um, uh, anyway, um, Paul uses this word all like crazy in the start of this letter. Because he's, he wants to start the letter out with all. This isn't written just to Yodia and her group or Syntyche and her group. This is written to all of them. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the elders and deacons. All the saints. All the saints. Huh. I wonder if that includes Yodia. And I wonder if that includes Syntyche. I think it must. He says all the saints. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. Huh, I wonder if he includes his memories of Yodia. I wonder if he includes his memories of Syntyche. I think he must. Always in every, it's translated every, same word as all, in all my prayers for you all. Huh, wonder if he means his prayers for Eutyche. Yudia and Syntyche. Yudia and Sinti, making prayer, my prayer with joy. It's right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in my defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God's my witness, how I learned for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it's my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment. There are more. He uses the word uh, uh, all, I think, 25 more times in the book. Just four short chapters. All, all, all. You got it? I entreat, yeah, I got it all. I entreat Yodia and Syntyche. Agree in the Lord. I've been writing this to all of you, all of you, all of you. So if we go back to the PowerPoint, uh, forget Philemon, we didn't have time, but it's really cool. Philippians, it's one for all and all for one. Okay, so here's your Greek geek. Hey, geek, were there any 
funny punsters in the Bible. Hmm. Samson, he brought the house down. Okay. <laughs> okay, well, look, I had ones that would have been horrible compared to that. So that's the best I had. Greek for home. They make their faces unsightly that men might have sight of them. I read that, and I think, you know, people came up to me this morning because you guys love me, and you're my friends and my family in the Lord. And you say, how's it going out in trial? I got to tell you, I'm hating it because I'm away from my family mainly. I'm away from the things that are fun here. And it's like pulling teeth out there. I mean, you just, it's, I feel like a dentist. I mean, it's just like everything is so hard to get out. And yet, heaven forbid, I moan and complain. I'm not facing health issues that I know of. I'm not in Paris trying to figure out how to deal with a crisis or the loss of a loved one. I mean, I'm not sitting here wondering how I'm going to pay tomorrow's bill. And it embarrasses me that I would make my face unsightly because of what I'm going through when I'm doing the things that I think God wants me to do. Just because it's not what I want. It's as if I am fasting or doing something for the Lord and I've distorted and contorted myself so that I can show everyone how miserable it is. And I just confess that to you. But it's an example on a one scale just in my life of how I read this. Because what I want to do is I want to seek to please the Lord. And if I'm seeking to please the Lord, I don't care about anybody being impressed or unimpressed or feeling sorry for me or feeling happy for me. I mean, I love you people dearly and I want to be honest and upfront and tell you how I'm feeling and your prayers are sustaining me and I'm so thankful for it. But realistically, I need to get myself into the focus of seeking to please the Lord with what I do with my life. Because that's what counts. That's what counts. So that spoke to me. That's my Greek for home. If it works for you, great. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Do you know the song? Shine, Jesus, Shine by Graham Kendrick. I love that song. We don't sing that song much, but it's a great song. I want that light to shine. Do you remember the song we sang as kids? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel. No. I love to watch kids sing that song. They so get into the No. And it's there. I want to be that. I want to say, no. I want to let it shine. I want to walk in the light. I want the light to understand me. I want to understand the light. I want to shatter the darkness. I want the darkness dispelled from my light. I want to find all of the shadows and all of the closed doors in my heart. And I want to open them up to the Lord. And I want sunlight. The best disinfectant man has ever known. Sunlight. To shine through who I am. And I want to walk in the light. Oh, la, 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 la,
That's how many he has in Philippians. We are family. There's a reason I love to come home. It's to spend time with my family and to spend time with you guys. And so it's an honor for me to get to be here. I thank the Lord that I'm able to travel, to get back here for the weekends. And I'm going to be here next week because all, 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 all of you matter. Now, I got to tell you, next week what we're going to do, oh, God willing, in the Greek New Testament, there is a phenomenal word that nobody translates. Nobody. I've yet to see any version of the Bible translate it right. Any of them. Because they translate this for Yankees. And so they have the word y'all in this Bible. But they translate it you. And we can't tell reading English whether it's you individually Paul's talking about or y'all. The court reporter asked me one day last week, how do I spell y'all? I said, it's Y apostrophe A-L-L. Thank you. So next week, we're going to look at the y'alls in the New Testament. If you're doing your memory work, fantastic. Keep it up. May I pray over you. Lord, I ask you to bless my friends and my family and those listening today. I ask you to reach down and, and, and use this lesson in some way to capture our hearts. I pray that your face will shine on those who are listening and those who are here, even if they're not listening, Lord. May your face shine upon them. Be gracious to them. May they understand the light and dispel the darkness. That's the blessing I ask, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen.